Let's get straight to our interview with Sam Chase, candidate for Portland City Council. Sam, can you hear me? I can. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. How are you staying safe? Oh, doing doing the thing of staying in the house and uh, taking care of the kids and lots of cooking for the kids. Keep them happy. Sam Chase is current Metro Councilor in District 5. He has served on the boards of the Oregon League of Conservation Voters, Housing Development Center, Proud Ground, Coalition for a Livable Future, to name a few. Former Chief of Staff to Nick Fish, now running to fill that same city council seat. Sam, who are you and why are you running? Well, thanks again for having me on, Jefferson. Your show is really fantastic to have in our community at a time like this. I am running because I've always followed my heart to where I can have the greatest impact. And right now we need some leadership. We need serious leadership at the city to tackle some of these enormous challenges that are emerging right now and some that we've had for some time. And one of those is really addressing our homelessness and affordable housing crisis. And that is something that I think we have continued to to push on and I appreciate the work that Nick Fish did so much. I, I helped him as his first chief of staff write his uh, uh, housing a, a agenda and we have still yet to do so much more. We need to carry on that work, but we have a crisis that really needs a much more comprehensive uh, strategy to uh, address the, the those challenges. We have folks who are still struggling just to survive on the streets and we have folks who are living in um, conditions that aren't acceptable, and we need to find housing with services for those folks and allow them to uh, address the other components in their lives that they need support with. I, as a teenager, I lost my father to mental illness and drug addiction, and I've, I've seen how it affects a family and a community and a person's life and we simply can't address conditions like that or others living on the street we we have to get folks into housing with services so they can get the support that they need to be successful in life so that's one area that's incredibly important i think now uh, we're going to need that work more than ever as people are facing tremendous job loss we are going to have to really quadruple down and focus on bringing jobs back and rebuilding our economy and that is going to take some time and we're going I have a number of areas that I would really like to move forward around and let's uh, get into some of them job development let's get into some on housing has the city been doing the right stuff do we just need to continue the trajectory of the past several years or has the city failed to take certain opportunities and you need to right the ship well, it's a combination of those of those two things. I've spent my career working on housing and homelessness, and and I know that we've done a number of things right, and we we have generated resources and built very affordable housing. We've built shelter. We've we've got services that are in place. We simply don't have nearly enough of that. We have to lift up the programs and the things that we know work very well. One of the things that I'm sort of a little odd doing here is really working on two campaigns, which is 
not only running for city council, but also advancing this initiative with here to here together to say our whole region needs to look at providing homeless services in a way that is substantive and and comprehensive. And we have put an initiative on the ballot. I voted for it last month to forward it uh, along with my colleagues at Metro and helped work with this coalition over the last more than year to put this package together to bring to voters to say, look, we do have programs that we know work. We simply have to put the investment into those to make sure that everybody has access to those programs and and services and the kind of housing that we know uh, helps people succeed. There has been progress in the metro and metros referring out to the voters some dough and resources metro-wide for housing. What has the city council failed to do? What mistakes or missed opportunities over the past four years should we learn from? Well, I'll I'll start with a a little bit of the context also of the regional, which is to say that we passed the affordable housing initiative, which was really why I ran for Metro Council seven years ago, was that we, we didn't have a regional strategy in place. Portland has typically put 95% of all local resources amongst the 24 cities in the region. Portland has put in 95% of the local resources into housing. So that is a fundamental part of the challenge that, that I think Portland has missed, which is to say, we've got to go and look at the rest of the region to solve the region's housing crisis. And so by having uh, Portland really, and and Nick participated in passing that regional measure, Nick Fish, he was a tr- tremendous asset. He really understood that we have to have the whole region on board. So we have that on the housing. Not only are our folks saying we, uh, uh, will support a regional initiative, and now the 24 jurisdictions are participating in a in a housing strategy. When five years ago, folks would have stood up and said, "Please, we are not going to build affordable housing in my city." Now they're they're doing it throughout the region, and not only that, but they're saying, "You're not going to tax us and spend that money in Portland. You're going to build affordable housing out here in Hillsborough and Beaverton and Clackamas County." So we've seen a tremendous shift that is something that I think we can really take advantage of uh, as a a city to really work with those partners and get housing and and services throughout the region. So that's that's a very important factor for Portland because it brings all of those partners on. It really triples our ability to bring in resources and and build housing around the region. So that's that's a a fundamental area there uh, that I think the city it has been evolving, and we can continue that momentum and and really build on that. Uh, I think that we have, as a city, also to understand that we're not going to subsidize our way out of housing. We have to find creative ways to increase the supply of housing. We don't have enough housing. That is 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 a kind of an economics 101 challenge that we have. And we are falling behind the rest of the country in terms of keeping up with the housing versus the growth of people coming into our city. So we've we've got to do more to get the right kinds of housing in place. And so there are some things that the city hasn't done that, that I would focus on moving forward in that arena as well. Pick one. 
pick one that you think wouldn't be that might even differentiate you from other candidates in your race well i i am absolutely the, the candidate with experience in, in moving housing strategies forward and have done that in a number of different areas but i will i will tell you that i think we need to put the right kind of housing that fits and works well with our neighborhood so a couple examples one is really building out the albina vision and the area uh, around the the uh, rose garden rose quarter and really building that area that in in the 1950s we bulldozed through the african-american community there displaced folks uh from their from that neighborhood for i-5 and we've really never restored it and now a community has come back and said hey we want some restorative justice in this area not only should we be doing that but we should be bringing back the riverfront there and we should be creating infrastructure that will allow us to build density in that area with a lot of affordable housing and by doing that we're building housing that's close into the center we're reducing transportation needs we're creating 20-minute communities we're also creating a, a tremendous amount of infill housing that brings up our supply we have so that's 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 one area that i think is an example of where we can really make a difference how does that interface with the expansion of i5 and relatedly the multi multiple billion dollar project to build a mega highway over the columbia river well i'll start with the the rose quarter project i have been very concerned about how that has been moving forward and i was when pbot and odot had a hearing to move that forward last year i was the only elected official in the state to show up and ask that we have an environmental impact study we have to understand what the impacts of that project would uh, do and and how tolling might affect that and really reduce the need to expand lanes how we have capping over the freeway that really integrates lloyd and the and the the other side of the 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 the, um, highway so that people can seamlessly get across and it really creates a community there that is reducing our carbon input rather than increasing it so there are a number of things that we have to make sure we are really um, doing to take advantage of the possibility of redeveloping that area for carbon reduction overall and uh, addressing our affordability and other things. Columbia River Crossing is something that's in the early stages. It, we, we, we need a bridge. I've always said we need a bridge. I've, I've been one to say that the, the, the proposals we've had have not been good enough and have been too large and and have not been focused on reducing the number of um, cars on the road. But we ultimately have to find some kind of solution to move forward there, but it has to be really enhancing transit options. You're at Metro at a tough time. I could go on for a long time about that. Maybe we'll return to it, but I know there's lots of topics. You're at Metro at a tricky time, just announcing 40% of workers getting laid off. Tell us about the process behind that decision. Well, it is a really difficult time, and it is heartbreaking because the employees I've worked 
in a lot of different arenas. I've worked most of my life in nonprofit sectors. I'm mostly a, an organizer and, and coalition builder, but I've worked at the city of Portland and, and, and in and around a lot of uh, different agencies. Metro's employees are absolutely amazing and fantastic, and it's heartbreaking to have uh, this financial challenge ahead of us. Of course, we run the convention center, the expo, the Schnitz, the Newmark, the Keller, the zoo, some golf courses even. So we are seeing, uh, a, a, we, we just hit a cliff as soon as the economy um, came to a halt and all of those venues went from a booming economy to absolutely no activity. So. It's a revenue loss of $11 million a year. My hope is that, and what we are doing is doing everything we can to support uh, folks uh, during this time uh, where there are gonna be layoffs and to make sure they have all of the benefits that we can get to them to support them and then work incredibly hard to find ways to bring the economy back and to bring those venues back as quickly as possible and, and bring as many of those employees back. That is that is absolutely my hope, and and I will be working very hard to make sure that happens. Who made the decision? Well, that's the the we, we haven't actually uh, made the uh, actual decision as a council yet. Uh, we are being as transparent as we can uh, throughout this process, and we're sharing information as we go. Our COO has come on just in the last month, uh, Marisa Madrigal. She was the Multnomah County uh, uh, COO for a number of years, and, and folks may be familiar with her in other roles. She is doing a really great job of steering this ship right now. These are decisions that are very difficult in, in any situation and, and unprecedented for Metro and she is really committed to transparency and communication with all of us. We're in unprecedented times, and I want to be sensitive as I ask these questions because I recognize all of us are making decisions in our organizational lives, in our business lives, in our personal lives, in our family lives we probably never imagined needing to face. Uh, and it was interesting to me. I argued with myself about it. On one hand, well, government is trying to get assistance to people who are losing their jobs. Would it be easier or better for government institutions just to hold on to people so that there were fewer people on unemployment that needed to receive assistance? And then it occurred to me, well, maybe this gets more federal money because these folks will be more eligible for federal unemployment help under new federal rules and subsidies help walk through as you're thinking about this other than say well it's a tough time and Marissa is doing a great job the puts and takes about that 40% decision well the idea is to so it's 11 million dollars a month that is no longer coming in so we have to address that and if we don't address that sooner rather than later we're putting even more of our workforce in jeopardy. So minimizing and uh, those cuts is an absolute priority and then and then 
bringing them back as quickly as possible is the the next priority. So how do we do that? What how do we make those decisions? Well, we 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 have to go through the venues and save as many positions as we as we can. We have to look at the the resources that we have available and and dig deep and and uh, even uh, spend some of our uh, reserve resources to make sure the transition is as as minimized as as we can, and then we need to look at our programs and the things that we're doing. For example, we just passed a natural uh, uh, area and open space bond measure in November. Let's let's take a look at that and let's be thoughtful about how we're approaching that rather than having a priority of, of, of acquiring land, which is a big part of that measure. Let's focus more instead on the capital improvement work that, that was part of that measure. Let's move that forward, have job creation, and we'll still have land buying opportunities down the line. So we can spend resources in different ways than we may typically have. We have solid waste uh, uh, funding and capital projects that we have been developing. Conversely, some of those capital dollars may be able to be used to retain and keep some of the waste. Uh, so of course, Metro is charged with managing how folks trash gets to the right places in our region. So that's why we do solid waste. So that's an area where we may be able to hold off on some capital expenses and instead prioritize keeping folks on. So I think there are choices in a lot of those different areas and how we approach those is gonna be very important to keeping as many jobs online as we possibly can. What lessons does this suggest for the city? Metro is moving early on this. It's in a different position because it manages, as you said, so many venues and is so those venues are dependent upon the revenue that they receive. Any analogs in the city for the job, not just that you have, but the job that you're seeking? Anything the city needs to be cutting now, otherwise it's going to make it worse later. Well, the, the, the city doesn't have as many of the, what we call enterprise funds. And so the, yeah. the Metro's in a unique position because we have so many facilities that are are dependent on private sector uh, uh, participation. So uh, the city is in a little bit different situation and I think can mitigate uh, over time more slowly how they are operating. But I think every program at the city, just like we're doing at Metro, needs to take a look at what are the things that are, are keeping folks' jobs in place and at the same time focusing outside the city's actual employment base and saying, how are we going to support the workforce beyond the city that is really struggling right now? So many layoffs, so many service sector folks that are, are unable to stay in business. What are the ways that the city can reprioritize their dollars to really focus on helping uh, those business move forward? For example, I, I uh, really allocating as many folks as we can to helping business with technical assistance. How are they going to make sure that they're accessing every federal or state dollar that's available out there? How can we make sure that we are, if needed, deferring 
fees or 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 other costs so that those businesses can keep can can keep going so i think there's an opportunity for the city of portland to really be supporting that next level outside of the city's uh, uh, government structure to 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 get our economy moving as quickly as possible and back up and running we're talking to Sam Chase, candidate for city council. I'm Jefferson Smith. You're listening to X-Ray, and thanks for doing that. Sam, you are on the League of Conservation Voters Board. It's one of the manifestations of years of community work and service that you've offered, and thank you for doing that. Well, dip- let me, I was on the Multnomah County chapter, which is the, uh, the, the advisory committee in the Multnomah County area. Helpful. A different candidate got the endorsement of that organization how come yeah I, I, you'd have to ask the folks at olcv they did not have a interview process that evaluated the candidate so i i really can't answer that that question what's your what was your reaction to that An organization whose values presumably you support uh whose advisory committee in multnomah county you served on another candidate gets the uh, endorsement their argument would be, and Tara Hurst's argument was, well, they knew exactly who she was. She had worked really hard on their issues. She was there. And the critique was, hey, wait a minute, how do other candidates get a chance? What was your reaction? Well, I, every organization has their own way of evaluating and, and making decisions. I, I, I do think it's important, and, and I would be an advocate for having a process that really has folks looking in an unbiased way at the candidate's credentials. I, I will say this, on the environment, I have worked my entire life to fight for our environment and uh, urban environment. And and that's where I think it gets a little bit harder to evaluate. And so I, I, I don't know that that was the place for OLCV's kind of expertise is around urban environmentalism. But I, will, I would say that it is one of the most important areas that we can really be environmentally active and how we're building housing and 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 dense 20-minute communities has a major impact on carbon reduction whether i fought and won uh, uh, the effort to get low-income fares on trimet uh, that that all transit riders now are able for a significant discount on transit or to uh, make sure that we are protecting our natural areas and 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 rivers and and waterfronts and riparian areas within the city and creating green areas within the city so that people are willing to and want to live in a urban environment where they have a big shared backyard rather than sprawling uh, way out beyond the urban growth boundary so there are uh, diesel reductions and and reducing I've, i've worked very hard to reduce diesel emissions and particulates in our air and clean air and so i have a in cleaning up brownfields there's a a tremendous environmental record i have that are very urban focused uh and that is is something i'm incredibly proud of and i i think that uh you know my my job is to make sure i get my message out about that work you're currently leading in fundraising in your city council race. In addition to Doe, what do you think is going to decide this race? What do you hope decides this race? And what do you fear would decide this race? Well, 
I think what's going to decide this race is I think that people right now understand how serious these decisions are that we're making at the government level. And to have folks who have the experience making these difficult decisions and that have a, an ability to get things done, that's, that's what I've, I've really built in the last 10 years is a understanding about how to get things done that really make a difference in people's lives. I've been my whole life a community organizer, a working in the nonprofit sector, and then I, uh, or, 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 or most of it, and was Nick Fish's chief of staff and then came to Metro and was able to translate those values into really getting things done. That, that's why I ran for those, ran for Metro and worked for Nick was that was an opportunity to, to get even more done. And I've learned how to do that. I, I brought forward the uh, uh, program and advocated and won on low-income fares I ran at Metro on really getting a regional housing agenda, got the first ever regional affordable housing initiative in the country passed, the, the most dollars we've ever had in an, on an initiative in the state of Oregon at Metro. So I know how to work and collaborate with folks, and I think right now the city needs some collaborators and some folks who are going to focus on the big picture and really truly addressing our affordable housing crisis. I'm, I'm the only candidate in this race with a deep level of experience working and advancing affordable housing solutions uh, uh, at, at, at Metro and the city. So I think people are really going to look for folks that have that experience and ability to get those things done. They want results. A couple of your endorsers include the Teamsters Union and the Home Builders Association. To the home builders, presumably the prioritization you've made of investment in affordable housing uh, is something that a bunch of home builders can get behind, that in fact some of them can benefit from government money put into uh, housing projects. Uh, anything that folks should be concerned about, about, you know, if we compare you with, let's say, Tara Hurst, one of the other candidates in this race, I look at her endorsement list. Uh, that she's endorsed by League of Conservation Voters, you're endorsed by Home Builders. Any concern that people should have, or is this stuff kind of random? Oh, I have uh, have a tremendous number of environmental, uh, Mike, Mike Haug, uh, uh, Bob Salinger, uh, uh, major environmental leaders uh, from our community. So if you want to talk about environmental credentials, I, I absolutely, absolutely uh, stand behind the. Yeah, I don't think I don't think anybody thinks you're a climate change denier. I'm more interested in the, in, in sort of the process of endorsement and how it works and try to give people sort of a window in that. And if they see, you know, some folks will look at the Home Builders Association of Portland and say, "Hey, I know that's the developers. This guy's the progressive candidate. Why would the developers support the progressive candidate? Well, he's a collab, he's a collaborator, he's a coalition builder. He'll do affordable housing. Anything more than that? Well, there's a. I mean, that is one entity that is focused on housing. I, I will tell you, uh, uh, folks like Ed Blackburn, the Central City uh, Concern Executive Director, and and nonprofit leaders from across the board, that reach community development, Hacienda, 
folks from across the board that are focused on community development and affordable housing are squarely uh, uh, in my camp in terms of support because they know that I am about comprehensive solutions moving forward. And we absolutely have to build enough housing to address this crisis. And so uh, uh, the folks from the housing community across the board, and you can pick one or one group or another group, but across the board are uh, uh, strong supporters of, of, of my uh, work because they know that I am the one with a deep level of experience in getting housing on the ground. And the way that we do it is absolutely critical. It's, it's possible to have housing production that also really fits the character and nature of our neighborhood. I, I in part, was, was at, I ran a nonprofit building affordable housing. So folks uh, uh, appreciate that I understand the process of going through and building housing units uh, as a nonprofit executive director for many years that built affordable housing. So uh, there are folks that support me for a wide range of reasons, and one of them is because I have a deep level of knowledge and experience in that field. Imagine a critic of yours. Imagine you could pretend to be that critic, which is maybe false, but let's try it. And they were asked, what is begrudgingly what do you have to admit Sam Chase's greatest strengths to be or greatest strength? And what's his real weakness? Why are you a critic of him? What would you say? What's your greatest strength and weakness? But as best you can from the perspective of a critic. Well, I think one of the, I think one of the criticisms uh, that comes up is that I don't bring a lot of diversity to this race. And I, and I will, I will tell you that, what I do bring is a high level of expertise in bringing people to the table and making sure that we are an inclusive, um, uh, that, that we have processes that are inclusive and really elevate. That's why the uh, Asian um, Pacific American Network of Oregon, APANO, has endorsed me in this race because I have always insisted that we really elevate, in, in particular, culturally specific communities in the work that we're doing and put folks in a position of power in our decision making. I, I helped establish a committee on racial equity at Metro that is directly advising Metro Council. It doesn't go through all of these other processes to, 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 to get its messages to Council. No, it works in direct advisory role. We have liaisons. I, I was the, the first uh, liaison leader for that uh, uh, work to happen at Metro and we have committed to equity in a way that is something I want to take to the city which is to say we're not just inviting folks to the table we're not just cre creating stipends and daycare and other things so that they can be at the table we're investing in the organization long term with capacity dollars so that those culturally specific organizations can be incredibly well-informed and their members can be well-informed so that they can bring forward the best solutions and leading with race and determining how we're going to tackle some of these major issues we're dealing with right now. We uh, have to make sure that we have culturally specific communities uh, at the center of our decision-making in how these big, big um, 
challenges and cuts are coming at Metro. That's the kind of thing that we need to have at the city and what I will bring as a city leader. What would even a critic have to say is a great strength of yours? Well, I think my my history of getting things done, I have been somebody who has been able to get things done on housing. The two biggest initiatives ever in the state of Oregon are the ones that I led. One was the reform for urban renewal that has resulted in more than $350 million in our urban renewal areas for affordable housing. It was, it was to say, you know, we can't keep investing in our urban renewal areas in ways that are pushing folks out of our neighborhoods. We have to dedicate, set aside resources for our urban renewal to build affordable housing. And it was to get uh, the Metro initiative to uh, pass regionally that got all 24 cities and counties on board with an affordable housing strategy. And so, yeah, I think no matter what your perspective is, uh, if you think those are good things to be getting done, uh, then I am your candidate because I know how to get those kinds of big game-changing things done. Now, is it enough? Absolutely not. But that's why I'm so committed to going to the city and, and, and getting these strategies on the ground now that we're going to have resources. And I urge folks, vote for the initiative that will be on the May ballot to, to meaningfully put homeless service dollars on the table. And I will go to the city and I will spend those effectively with accountability and transparency. And we are actually going to make an, uh, a, a very meaningful um, a very meaningful progress on our homelessness and affordable housing crisis. Talking to Sam Chase, candidate for city council. Sam, anything that you're doing during this campaign in the context of a global pandemic that you'd never thought you'd do? Well, I, it, it is, it is, these are odd times, but I, I really follow my heart and it's, it's about getting connected to folks and reaching out and finding ways to support folks. I, I never thought I'd be so engaged in a campaign in the community service side of things. It's, it's not just getting this other, the, the importance of this other initiative I'm talking about, this regional one, with here together getting the homeless services initiative, but we've been really focusing on how do we help our own neighborhood too. And I regularly with my family cook meals for our local, we have a local sh shelter and we cook meals at home and, and bring them in. And it's an, it's an amazing way, I'll, I'll tell folks, it's an amazing way to spend time with your loved ones and also do something that really helps folks in your community. Everybody loves a home-cooked meal, and uh, when you are struggling and living in a homeless shelter, it is a really nice thing to have. So, so things like that that you wouldn't typically do during a, a campaign yeah. are, are sort of on the table because we're all stepping up to do what we can for our community at the same time. Sam Chase, thanks for your service, and thanks for taking the time this morning. Hey, thanks so much. What an amazing show you have. What a what a wonderful gem for our community. And I really appreciate you and your whole team. I appreciate the pandering. Take care, man. <laughs> Be well. You're listening to X-Ray. Thanks for doing that.